of our own selfishness and flesh to worship our living God. Yet the angels bow down. I don't think they have a bad day. I think they just get it. Like God is big. And believe me, they are big and strong. Yeah, they just say, because they see him and they live with him and they worship him. And one day that's going to be us. And I already felt a call for us to remember who our God is. And when we come to worship him, you know, there's something happening in our worship. And may we be found as those who worship in spirit and truth, as the Bible calls us to worship in that way. In the New Testament, that truth is that we'd worship out of our head knowledge. Maybe we had a good Bible time this week, or, you know, maybe we've grown up in the church, and we know that we are to worship God. But he's looking for those that would not only know in their head, as in truth, but that would know in their spirit that he is God. And when we, when we worship in spirit and truth, we get the Lord's attention. And he actually calls us to that. And it's our responsibility to find our spirit worshiping God <laughs> from our heart and from our inner man, inner woman. And I, I realize that angels are so powerful, yet they are so bowed down in, in reverence and awe of our God. Yet they could easily stand up and say, hey, I'm pretty strong, you know. <laughs> but, but they don't. Their posture is so beautiful. And yeah, just reminded of us, you know, there's a scripture in the, in the New Testament, in, in the book of Jude. Yo, I encourage you to read that book. Every time I read Jude's letter, right at the back of the, the Bible, um, it, it's amazing because what it does is it shows you, it, it's like you're reading a letter into today's current climate of uh, just people that have abused this, the gift of grace, you know, and this letter was written to those types of people that um, moved out of grace and into just free, licentious living. I can do what I want, you know, I'm saved and I'm okay. And uh, it was amazing in that book that there is a scripture around about Jude verse 9. Yeah, it's one chapter, it's a short book, but in Jude um, verse 9 in the letter, it says, but even the archangel Michael who's the strongest angel, he's an archangel, but even that archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn or slander him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And I've always, and then he goes on to say, but then these people, these people just rebuke even angels, even celestial beings, they just rebuke them. So that there's this understanding that even a powerful angel realizes that he is nothing in front of the Lord. And even though he could, in all authority, rebuke the devil or the devil's fallen angels, he says, but you, Lord, you do that. It's like this humble submission, like you're the, the most powerful angel, and yet he doesn't puff himself up, tell the devil to get it. You know? No, 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 no. Let my Lord rebuke you. And I was like, oh, Lord, do we sometimes get our position before you wrong? Like we get quite... You know, I can just rock up today and worship, and I'll be all right, and, you know, got up late, and, but, uh, you know, my Lord, does it come into the place of worship? Do we come and see how great and how powerful our Lord is? Because when we get that right, our posture changes, our eyes get off ourselves and onto Him, and I really believe He's wanting to do something, and He is doing something through our worship leaders, and as we are out in the public spaces more, He's calling us to be a people that worship in spirit and in truth. And from a position of knowing where we stand in front of him. And uh, just 
how small we are in the greater scheme of the angelic beings and God. And one day we'll see, and I think we'll be quite surprised and humbled. But I pray that we may get that more and more on our earthly journey. Amen. Anyway, that's just something I felt in worship for us as I launch into three things that I, I really felt that the Lord wanted to do with us today. And I felt He's going to get all of our, our hearts in three ways. First, a revelation, a revealing of Himself to us. Really pray that He's begun that and He will continue doing that. First one is reveal Himself. Second one is to transform our thinking. So transform our thinking. I really feel like uh, as we share in the Word today, the Lord's going to get hold of our thinking in terms of our priorities. So He's going to reveal Himself to us, transform our thinking through our priorities, getting our priorities aligned with the Lord again today. And the third thing is an envisioning. I just said the word vision for today. Just felt like God wanted to give vision to every single one of us, uh, boys and girls, men and women, vision. So the reveal, transform, and vision. I felt like He wanted to envision us with the following, um, that uh, He has a, an exhilarating, exciting, adventurous plan for your life and my life. And uh, there's the vision attached to that, but it, He has an exhilarating plan. It's the most joyous thing to serve the living God in our short time on earth. And I know we hear that, and maybe we've known that, maybe we know that today, and we're in a good place. But it feels like the Lord wants to envision you and I today, before we leave, that something happens in our transformation of our thinking, a revelation into our hearts, where we go out with an expanded vision. Okay, so I'm going to trust that He's going to do what I felt He wants to do, as I share, even in my imperfection, but I pray that He's going to work through His Word and His Scripture. So let's open our hearts. And trust that he's going to do something, okay? So we're going to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read a chunk. So if you want to read with me in your Bibles, that would be amazing. Try to follow through. I'm going to go through this once, read it together, and then we're going to dig in and break it down a little bit afterwards today. So um, we're going to stay really in this portion of the Bible. So we read it from verse 3, okay? Thanks, Jackie. Okay. Um, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature or participants of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desires. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and, with, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted and blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And there's a 10 and 11 to follow. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to work through the NIV. It's a very similar version, but um, actually great to read that version as well. It's very, very special. 
So um, how am I doing for time? Let me start with this. We're going to come back and dig through that scripture. But I wanted to just take a little snapshot at the current situation in the world because there's chaos everywhere, right? And I, I know how easy it is to be pulled today, to be pulled down an avenue of wanting to make change in a crazy world. There's a lot of avenues that people are diving into to try and make a difference. Career is one. I mean, careers have changed radically. Eh? Who's in HR? Yeah, our friend Ricey is not with us anymore in Greenpoint. But she's amazing to speak to because she's in HR. And you realize, some of you might know, like jobs have changed. Like now when you go to the working world, it's not just about a good company or good salary or like I've studied for this line of work. Like there's got to be like uh, social calls attached to the company. And you've got to be making a difference through the company you work for. Companies, businesses need to be seen to be making a difference in the world, which in one way is a really good thing because the world is broken and there's so much pain and so much um, distortion. But the reality is we can also get caught up in going the career avenue to make a difference in the world or any other avenue to heal the broken world. But still, Jesus called us as his children to do what? To become like him, for our hearts to change, and for us to preach the gospel, see people's hearts change that are broken. That is his solution to the broken world, that people's hearts would be touched by his glory, by his presence, and change comes from the inside and affects society and changes the world one person at a time. So if I give this message a, a title, I would say that it starts with a brick. <laughs> it starts with a brick, okay? You and I are bricks built into the kingdom of God. Each of us playing our part. JJ is a brick, Neil's a brick, Terence, Louis is built together to make a dwelling place for the Lord. His church, his building made up of people that belong to him. So he's interested in brick by brick as he builds a perfect church, as he builds a perfect community that, um, that actually brings long-lasting change to the world. So what's going on in our world, guys? Wars everywhere. How many wars are going on in the world? Do you have a picture there, Jackie? Have you got an image? Are you able to show something or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that is, yeah, poor old Africa, hey? Look at our continent. Those, those are current 2021 war zones, okay? So basically, you, you can see there's, there's conflict and war going on pretty much all over the world. Not that much in North America. That big red slice on the far left is Mexico. That's a drug war, as you can imagine, in Mexico. So there's, there's chaos happening in Central America. Uh, th th those, dark, those dark red portions are 10,000 plus deaths a week. The red ones are 10,000 below 10,000. The yellow, the, 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 the mustardy color is, is around a 5,000 mark, and the yellow is less significant. But still, it's a good few thousand people that are dying all the time around our world nonstop. Um, you can see the, the big maroon one in the middle of um, Asia. Yeah, that's, that's Afghanistan, I think. Yeah, Afghanistan, Yemen. This here, Ethiopia and Somalia. Now, Sarah's not here this morning, but interestingly, uh, she works for a mission organization impacting the Somali people that are in Cape Town. Because in Cape Town, you are free to reach the Somalis who are Muslim by, by tradition and, and upbringing. But you look at the war that's ravaging on there, it's no wonder you can't go there to reach them, can you? 
which can reach them in countries that are, that are free. Look at South Africa. I mean, we've got, we know how much is going on in our country. We don't even feature it on the map, but we know what's f- what we face in our country, right? There's a lot of conflict, but it doesn't even get on the map. So can you imagine what's going on in those nations? Central Africa, you know, the Congo and those places. West Africa, where all Boko Haram is right up into North Africa. I think it's into Algeria and uh, places like that. West Africa. It's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this map probably can't even do a proper representation of what, what is going on in the world. But what have I said to you guys, not getting a, like, like don't, don't sink in your chairs and go like, Lord, how are we, how we even going to make a difference? Because the reality is, while in our f- partnership of churches, we have a number of people planting churches and building into nations, we haven't even scratched the surface, so to speak. You know, we have a home group that's just started in Rome, Italy. How awesome is that? Hey? So family from East London, we're in Italy for work, part of our 412 partnership. And um, I think there's two or three kids. They've started a home group, and they're trusting the Lord to bring like-minded, spirit-filled believers into their homes. So Rome becomes a place where God's church can grow. Amazing. Amazing, isn't it? And uh, where else? Durban, in our country, something new has opened up in Durban. And while we can get excited about those two footprints, you look at that and you realize, wow, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. And you can kind of want to jump on the next big thing and all the big next big adventure. But actually, it starts with each of us, each brick being made whole so that we can affect change right where we are as a start, right where we are as a start, Okay. So what if I said to you guys that you and I are the answer to all those problems? Like, do you really believe that? You and I are the answer to those problems as we remain in Jesus. And if we remain in Jesus and participate in his divine nature, which we read in 2 Peter, then we become the answer. We become healthy bricks built together to become a dwelling place for the Lord. That's, that's how he sees you and I. He does. He sees us as those that will bring change, lasting change, into a broken and dying world. Starts with us. If we are true participants in his divine nature. So what would you say the remedy is for international chaos? Let me ask you guys a question, but I'll also give you the answer. <laughs> this is the best way to put it, I think. Coming back to the second point of my three, transformation. So transformation is the answer for world chaos and degeneration, the degeneration of the world, which is pretty obvious. Transformation of our human nature through the grace and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to what's going on out there. Starts with us, revelation, transformation, and then us getting a vision for what's going on and realizing our part to play. Might seem small in Greenpoint, Cape Town, and you'd be surprised how many people we touch that move beyond our borders, affect change where they go. So the question is, when we have opportunity with Joe Soap, who ends up in Italy by chance, do we see the opportunity of what a one-on-one relationship through discipling can have on the world? If we take each person, if we see each person in our life as a very intentional opportunity to bring the healing life of God into that heart. It is to restore people's hearts one by one. So brick by brick, okay? So 
There's an amazing preacher who lived in the late 1800s. I want to share something that he uh, shared, which I thought was very insightful. His name was A.B. Simpson. He died in about early uh, 1900s. So uh, he said this about empires and monarchies of old, okay? All of them crumbled in some way through decay and uh, or through their own corruption. So you'll know in the Bible, book of Daniel, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. My kids love him because they call him King Nebi, you know, because he's the one who threw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fire, right? Daniel's friends. And uh, King Nebi was really irritated that these guys were defiant. They stood for their Lord, even through the flames of the fire. And he was in the fire, he rescued them. King Nebuchadnezzar was very arrogant, right? But now he, his empire at that time, biblical times, he was prideful. And what he'd built, that empire that he'd built, didn't last. So too, Alexander the Great's impact on the world. I didn't realize, died at 32. So can you imagine having the feats, the, the, the military feats of Alexander the Great? You can go check out what happened in the world under his military reign. It's actually phenomenal. But at the end of the day, he died with no predecessor. So he never thought about <laughs> anyone other than himself, more than likely. Because generally great leaders who don't have a predecessor are pretty much all about themselves. There was no one actually to take over. And he died young, and that was the end of it. Dynasty over. <laughs> uh, uh, empire over. You know, it's gone. It's a historical, it's a historical part of a history book now. That, that's it. And what about Rome? The empire of Rome. You know, so much that came through that time and that period and those people. But crumbled from the inside, right? If you check out, and you, you could probably break it down to simply moral corruption, broken from the inside and fall apart that way. But what about us? So um, things are not that different 2021. Well, there's no Rome. There's no Alexander the Great uh, running around uh, slaughtering people. Hey, what, if, what about now? What empire now? Yeah, there's no predecessor. But I tell you what, there's an empire happening right in front of our eyes. Think about the technology age. Think about one world. Think about how connected we are as a world. And there's a powerful move to unite the world through technology, through all our advances. There's an empire alongside of us who are building God's church. That empire is rising to try and affect change in a broken world. What are some of those links that help us to remember? Well, it's a world of tolerance and peace. Let's stand together and bring lasting change through tolerance, through peace, through social justice. The world is a mess. Surely, nations, we need to stand together and unite against the problems in our world. It does sound good. Woke culture. I mean, have a look at the series that um, Andrew has been doing online. We're in about this morning, the fourth of six or seven series of, called Escaping Babylon. If you're new to us, please have a look at that series. It's really, really awesome. It really digs into the worldview that's currently in our, in our generation, but also what kind of biblical worldview we should have to be able to withstand the empire that's being built around us right now. And it's also an empire of, um, it's easy to, to be pulled into some of the causes because they are, at surface level, good causes, wanting to change uh, a world that has serious problems. But God doesn't call us to that. I would say that human society now and the world right now doesn't need us to join in to build a new empire. 
What it needs from God's people is, is the following. It needs, human, humanity needs from us, God's people, better materials, not a better empire building. Better materials. What I mean by that is better people. People, we are, but people are the problem. So if we are the materials that make up a society, which we are, the materials need to be better. And that's where we come in as the church. Whatever God's building through us, our materials need to be right. Our hearts need to be right. That's where it starts. When our hearts are right, when we're living godly lives, as we're called to in 2 Peter chapter 1, with the, participating in the divine nature, our hearts come right. People see that. They see lasting change. And the Lord is able to reach the dying world in the way that He planned, which was through His church. And yes, we're a building, but we add it together, brick by brick. So you need to know, and I need to know, that we are actually the answer to all these issues. Not the giant tech companies, not the, not the money of the world, not one world peace, not politics, not governments, because that never brought change. Throughout history, it's never, it's never been an answer. It's never worked. <laughs> it can't work. It's not Jesus' plan. And he is Lord. He's above every nation. He's above every war. It's the heart. Hearts are the problem. When you look at that map, hearts are the problem. People's hearts are the problem. So just listen to this picture. A.B. AB Simpson shared this amazing picture as he, as he wrote on these dynasties of old. So picture a beautiful arch. Ansel Murray is a structural engineer. Is that right? Structural. So there's a beautiful building. Picture this arch. It looks like it's going to be built forever and hold the most beautiful building that you've ever seen. But the arch, the arch crumbles and breaks. And there's this big commotion because it's, it's lying in tatters on the floor. And all the experts are there. Maybe the architects are there, the quantity surveyors, I don't know. And they're all having a good look at this crumbled building. And they're pointing to the lines and they're pointing to the foundations. And everyone's giving their two cents about why this thing crumbled, right? And then this workman, this bricklayer, picks up a brick and walks over to all the experts. And he crushes the brick in his hand. And he says, guys, this is the problem. The brick was rotten. And they all looked at him. And they realized that their fancy ideas and their grand ideas and their training and their expertise were not the answer to that building. It was, it was the brick that was rotten on the inside. No matter, would never have lasted, would never have lasted. And it's the same with us in the world. It's the bricks that, that, are, that are rotten. Shoshi, can you come share with us? I wanted Shoshana to share just a little picture into, you can just share over there, into what's happening in the Middle East where her family lives and Emma's family lives and many friends of Johnny and a few people. You can grab that um, mic over there. Please, that one over there. But there's a... <laughs> I thought it would be wonderful for her to share on the heart of the matter, even as we look at our news channels now, what's going on in the Middle East. Thanks, Neil. Really blessed by what you're sharing. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you guys are aware of uh, what's going on. Um, there's basically... Uh, a lot of there's war happening right now in Israel, and um, the 
the real, like the painful thing is that it's not just between two, uh, the Hamas, the terror organization and the IDF, but that there's a war happening between the civilians, between people. Um, and so between Arab and Jewish Israelis all over the country, there's just so much hate and violence taking place. Um, and uh, like uh, Neil was sharing, um, uh, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> um, so there's no, I don't believe that there is any peace solution that us humans can come up with. Um, and Ephesians 2 says that he is our peace. And peace doesn't just, isn't, a state of no conflict. Peace is a state of wholeness, completeness, perfection. And like Neil was sharing, um, as humans are broken, we, uh, we are the rotten bricks. We're never in our own strength gonna be able to bring about a state of wholeness, perfection, um, and true peace. Um, only Yeshua, only Jesus can. Um, and uh, I myself have, have, have witnessed this. Um, so in, I with the, the whole, you know, this conflict, it's not new um, between the Arabs and the Jews. It's <laughs> since um, Abraham. Um, but I've witnessed uh, Jews and Arabs come together under the headship of Jesus. And that is where a uh, love that no knows no boundaries can flow. That is where true forgiveness can exist. I've seen them wash each other's feet and walk together. Um, me, you know, we've been so um, disturbed in our hearts and about everything that's going on. And the best thing I, c I could do um, was join this uh, Zoom meeting of the Arabs and Jews from Israel and from the region. Uh, we, we prayed together and we did communion together over Zoom and we're weeping together. <laughs> and it was just the best thing that I could have done. It, it um, gave me perspective and it brought me back to what is most important. And yes, there's uh, wars, there's wars and rumors of wars. There always were, and empires rising, empires falling. Um, this empire, by the way, like the tech one, is also going to fall. But his empire, his kingdom is everlasting. And that's what we want to tap into. Um, and uh, yeah, it was so, 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 so precious to pray like that with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I had another point. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, thank you, Jesus. No, it's a, uh, there's a, yes, yeah, so, yeah, uh, uh, um, that, um, yeah, that, 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 so, so, so we want to encourage you guys, if you're also disturbed about what's going on, is to pray um, for, um, yeah, for our hearts, basically. That's what I was wanting to say. 
is that the, the, there's a war, yes, there's wars in the physical, but that the greatest war is, and it's also what Mila was touching on, the greatest war is actually over our hearts and souls. That is the greatest war taking place right now. Um, and uh, we're, we're of the belief that God is actually going to use in an incredible way um, in the end times, he's going to use the ex-Muslim to reach the Jew. And so um, here's our strategy for, you know, the Bible tells us to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for the peace, the real peace of Jerusalem, which, like I said, isn't just no conflict. Um, and, um, and so a strategic, strategic way to pray for Israel, for Jerusalem, for that region is to pray for Israel's neighbors, for them to come to salvation. Because they're going to be the greatest Gentile to provoke the Jew to jealousy, believe me. And I've already seen it. I've already seen it. That's what Jesus looks like there, is they love thy enemy, love thy neighbor. And it's supernatural, only Jesus kind of love. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Yoshi. You know, we've got friends here who are from Israel and have families. Keep, uh, keep them in prayer. Pray for the hearts of their families back home. Uh, and, you know, it's so interesting where we are in Greenpoint. Taryn reminded me of a prophetic word we got from a friend who's now planted a 412 church in Ireland in Cork with her husband. They're still in lockdown, uh, but they're still seeing people saved and added, even though they've been on lockdown since they planted. They just opened up, is it, babes? And Cindy and uh, James, Cindy had prophesied uh, pictures of Taryn and I being back in this area because we once lived here and we've always loved this terrain and we've always loved our time living here. And Michelle, yeah, Michelle said a picture of us. But uh, sorry, <laughs> Cindy had a picture of us um, connecting with many different types of people in this area. Um, people that have walked all sorts of broken lives and broken walks. But also, as we've been here longer and longer, we've realized that we've got nations on our doorstep and people that have links to countries that are going through things we wouldn't know. And, uh, and we've we're got solution here. Roost Church that he's building. So what, encourage us to keep our eyes open to the many nations that exist, you know, between here and uh, Camps Bay. And those that are here from countries that are not peaceful, but they're here and they are able to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, serve Him and worship Him in a freedom that they may not have at home. That's an amazing privilege for us to actually live beyond ourselves and go, Lord, deal with my heart. Make this brick strong so that I might be part of a beautiful building that you wanting to build by adding me here, uh, and, and then actually affecting change in our society that we've been put in, which I want to tell you is close to the 50,000, 60,000 people that live in this seaboard, which is a lot of people. Um, some small nations are only that size, right? Small islands. <laughs> but let's jump straight. I'm going to finish with this. Uh, the chapter that we were in, 2 Peter 1. I'm going to read from the NIV, picking up from verse 3 and 4. Excuse me. Um, through these, his precious promise, he has given us the great, his very great and precious promises, so that through them you and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And as I was mulling over that, I realized that the corruption in the world starts with our desires. It's always been in the human heart. It's not, it's not come from some external being, except for sinful hearts. Here it is in Scripture. We, but we are called as God's children to escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires in our hearts. 
And he's called us to escape that corruption. How? By participating in what? The divine nature of God. There's a participation for us to grab hold of. And that's what I was hoping this morning that we'd respond to him, to begin to participate again in his nature. Not our fallen sinful nature, but his nature, which has saved us if we know him here today. But on this journey, as we'll see now as we dig in, there's something of a progression of the journey that God has taken us on as we bring change to the world. But the progression must be in his divine nature. Outside of that, we have no hope, and our, our brick, so to speak, will always be uh, rotten and crumbling and have no impact. So verse 5 goes, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. So interestingly here, godliness, what is godliness? I believe that godliness is, is, is this. It's a genuine reverence towards God. Like what the angels have when they worship, this, this, this knowledge, uh, reverence to Him. Knowing who He is, this awe and reverence of our God. This is, this is a godly state of our heart. And when, when, when we have that reverence towards God, it will change every attitude of our heart, you know, and, and shift every attitude of our heart which then affects the way we live and our actions. So again, that's that uh, revelation and transformation and then the vision for our life. I believe God's vision is that we would live a godly life that uh, reveres Him, stands in awe of Him. And if that's the case, in an ever-increasing measure, we are no doubt the solution to the world's chaos and problems. That's you and I. God sees that for you. That's why He came. That's why He sent His Son to die. And that's why he's called you and I to live with him and to participate in his divine nature. It's what he has for us. It's, it is a great vision. This is worth giving your life to, isn't it? It's worth living for every day of the week. But what happens? We're in a war zone. Sure, she said it. And you wonder, like, why am I not living in this reverent state? Why do my attitudes suck today or this week or this month or this past season of my life? Why am I not? Why don't I, why do I feel like a crumbling brick? more than one that's being added to any work that's of any significance to impacting people around me. And it's because there's a war in our hearts that's constant that we must also win by participating in the divine nature. Because we all face a battle for our own hearts, which, by the way, is where all the corruption in the world comes from, the desires in our hearts. So we, we do have a very real battle. But remember, our battles are small, in comparison to the victory that God has won. When we live from a place of victory, when we live from a place of our position in Christ Jesus, the battles become smaller and smaller. We've got to have that as our theology and as our, as our base. Otherwise, we will feel defeated in every battle because we've just lost our position. We've lost the fact that He's called us to participate in His divine nature. Do we get what that even is about? It is beautiful and powerful at the same time. Hey, okay, so our responsibility. So here, when Peter was writing, uh, verse 6, when Peter wrote this in, in his second book, he was addressing knowledge. He spoke about knowledge a lot. And just an interesting side note. It was a knowledge that was being introduced to the church at that time. You know what it was? It was a false, it was a false teaching brought about by false teachers, and he was addressing it. It was a knowledge that you needed to add more knowledge 
to be able to really be a believer. <laughs> and it's interesting because you see that in the world today, it's not any different, is it? You, you're lacking something. Is the, yeah, you, you need to be more puffed up. We're in the tech age. Hello. There's more for you. There's more knowledge. No, 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 no. Peter addresses this. Inspired by the Lord, he addresses this in the church already back then. He says, Christian knowledge leads to self-control. Self-control, perseverance. When you're in a battle in your heart, you need to persevere. You need self-control. You need a certain knowledge that is not a head knowledge. It's a knowledge that the Lord provides. It's a, it's a, a Christian knowledge, a godly knowledge. And the knowledge is a, person, a personal knowing versus a, um, a learned knowledge. Are you with me? It's a personal knowledge. I know the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my only response is to live a self-controlled life that leads to perseverance, that leads to brotherly affection, that leads to love. And when we, in love, we change the world. We're the answer for that. Because we're living in the love of God, the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as far as the Middle East war goes or whatever, the love of Jesus breaking in brings the change, brings the real peace. But for us to journey into that place comes with a knowledge, staying close to the Lord, being affected by Him. And you know, it's so easy for us to see when we are out of knowing Him or away from Him. What happens? Our brotherly affection wanes, doesn't it? It's always a good test for me to go, uh, where's the warmth for all? Because Peter's calling that brotherly affection for all. So he says, if you, if you know the Lord Jesus and, and you're maturing and growing in your faith, you'll have a warmth for even a stranger in the body. You'll have a warmth and an affection even for that person in the church that you don't really have any, excuse me, anything in common with. Although you do, you've got Jesus in common, by the way. <laughs> so it's a good asset test of your, your journey. How is my brotherly affection? How is my, do I have this warmth affection for everybody in the church? <laughs> Big challenge, isn't it? Because then you're in love. You're in the love of God the Father. You're persevering. Self-control is something that you're not trying to do. But you, you out of response from walking in the divine nature, of finding your self-control, just something as an overflow a testimony of your, of your life with him. In verse 7, verse, sorry, verse, uh, verse 8. So if you possess those qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there we are. No, our, we should be living a life that's both effective and productive in Jesus. So don't try and not go away and be suddenly try and be effective or try and be productive. It's going to come from uh, a state of our heart, a state of our bowing to Jesus, a state of um, realizing that our knowledge of Him is the answer to everything. Us being rooted in Him, partaking in His, in his nature, brings about that change and the increase in our life. And what happens? We get the third point of my message. We get envisioned. We see that the world out there has one solution. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I happen to know him. Hallelujah. He lives in me. He wants to affect change and make me productive and effective in the world around me. Hey, 
starting right here with our brotherly affection. And then the overflow of love starting right here into our community. And that overflow of love impacting one person at a time, one brick at a time, making bricks whole, not crumbling in my head. Whole bricks, godly men and women who live for Jesus and live for his glory. And you know what happens? The causes of the world and the media's pull and your company's influence to take you down a road of work for me and give your life. Don't just work nine to five. But we're about cause and change and social justice. You find yourself going down that avenue. You won't go down avenues that don't have eternal lasting power because you're so close to your Lord Jesus. You see his vision for the world and you see the path that each of us are called to play. And we have a massive father. We're not even pinprick on the world right now. There's so much that the Lord has for us. Who knows what he has for you and I? Can we dream? Can we dream with him again? Can we dream? Now then he says, a warning, but whoever does not have these virtues is both nearsighted and blind and forgetting that they have been cleansed from their sins. So we can actually be blinded if we don't live in this divine nature, increasing our, our life in his virtues. And then this final warning, verse 10 and 11, Peter says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church of the day and to us today, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never fall or you'll never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, who wants that as a life goal? I mean, that's my life goal. I want to have a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. By the way, that's a kingdom and an empire that never ends. That is perfect. That will never fall. That will never implode from the inside. That will never die without a predecessor. That will never, ever, ever be taken down by corruption. It will never be falling apart brick by brick. It's an eternal kingdom by Lord Jesus Christ. A rich welcome. A rich welcome. It's what he has in mind for you and I. And we can live for that. His vision, that's his vision for us. Come, Peter's vision, come. Let's stand. Let's end together. You know, we need, we need the Lord to do something in our hearts that I can't do or any of us can do. I want him to get hold of our hearts today because this is where the great battle lies. Can we close our eyes and just uh, bow to him in prayer? Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for uh, Peter, for the two letters that he gave us, the power and the presence in those words, Lord Jesus. We thank you for them. We thank you, Father. We thank you, thank you, thank you that in your mind you have a great vision for us. You have, a, you have a vision of us entering your eternal kingdom with a rich welcome, Lord Jesus. Not scraping through, but having tasted your promises on this side of eternity, that we may live on the increase, on the increase in your divine nature, Lord. Growing in the virtues of love, perseverance, self-control, knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. So would you help us this morning? We want to respond to you. We want to present our hearts to you. But before I speak to us as the church, I want to talk to anyone here who might be an unbeliever at this stage. In other words, you have not uh, placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as the only person to set you right 
for life after death in this life. If you've never given your heart to Jesus and put your faith in him as the son of God, if you don't know that you even have an eternity in any form or place, if you're unsure of that this morning and you feel that the Lord is speaking to your heart, challenging you, calling you, please really let me know a little bit. I would love to pray with you. Just show me if that's you. I don't know everybody here. And afterwards, I'd love to grab a few minutes to pray with you and just to introduce you to the Lord Jesus, that your, your knowledge of him can not be truth or something you've read, but your knowledge of him can be personal and special. Okay, just let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to pray for us as a church. Okay, okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So because we are bricks joined together, I want to encourage us in a moment to find another brick in the church building, so to speak. Find a person next to you, and instead of responding here towards me, I felt that a right response today would be to stand with one person next to you um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a husband or wife or family. It can be somebody else. But I really felt I'm going to pray into this before we move around, but that you would recognize the words of Peter that we've spoken today and grab that person next to you or behind you or alongside you and speak words of life and encouragement over one another for a few minutes and we end. But as you see the person next to you, so speak it. And encourage. And if they need prayer, if they feel like their hearts have been a battleground and they don't feel like hearts right now are in a place of reverence and awe, trust that something will be broken this morning as one prays for another. Because together we are the building that gives glory to God, that brings change in the world. And let's not move from this place. We felt it earlier in prayer that God does not want any of us to leave, even if we're slightly crumbling. He wants to take us home whole and godly and in a place where our attitudes are directed by pure reverence and awe of him amen so if you can just 